Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. This is an honor for us, man. It's a play against you. Seriously. Man, yeah, it was surreal just standing there like, man, that's Tom Brady, you know, talking to guys and and dapping guys up and stuff. Um, so to him to just to have respect for what I did today was pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. So, you know, being a little kid, watching that guy kill it throughout all these years, won Super Bowls, and then, to be able to just even, you know, give him a high five or whatever at the end, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, he, did, he did an awesome job. Uh, I think all you guys saw that, but it was um, – he made a ton of plays, made the plays that were there, made a lot of plays that weren't there, um, did a great job in the pocket, had, you know, had one mistake there that um, was fortunate, got that one back, um, then didn't hesitate. I think he threw a touchdown on the next play, which was real cool. Um, but it was real impressive how he played, and I thought it was real similar to the week before. Yeah, more than impressive for me, Charles and Michael. So let me ask you all this. Pardon me if I'm being a prisoner of the moment, but that's just me. <laughs> and I'm not, okay. I'm in no way comparing. Go. Here we go. I mean, okay. Wow. Not, what a, no, wait, what don't a worry. start. Don't worry. I'm not, <laughs> yeah, not going to say he's going to, I'm not yeah. going to say he's going to win seven Super Bowls. Oh, I'm not no. saying that, he, that he's the next Tom Brady. What I am saying is that Michael, as you know, well, as we all know, but you especially, Michael, the Patriots didn't know that they were getting their franchise quarterback when they took Tom Brady with the 199th overall pick in the sixth round of the 2000 draft. They didn't know they were getting their franchise quarterback. It's only two games, one start, one much anticipated pressurized start because of who was on the other side. But is it possible? And I'm only asking you all the question because I think it is. Charles, I think the 49ers in a roundabout way have found their quarterback. They didn't have to trade up for him, but they found their long-term quarterback, and it's number wow. thirteen. Uh, you know what? It was just a couple months ago. Bailey Zappi, Bailey Zappi, gonna take Mac Jones' job. <laughs> like it was just—I mean, we love these guys who come in and they run around, they do stuff, they throw the ball around. And if if everybody had listened to Kyle Shanahan yesterday, one of the things that he said was. He talked about him running around, doing some things. That's what he did in college. Absolutely. Go back and look at Iowa State. What he did last night on the field was just like what he did at Iowa State, but the difference was he would run into some pretty big mistakes. If you want to look up, I mean, you can find some Brock Purdy embarrassing film. Um, with, yeah, with yeah Iowa thank State. you. We just haven't hit it yet, okay? He's had two good games. Yeah. I will give him that. He played really well. He did some things where you were like, oh, oh, okay. Like when he ran yeah. it in and – he, yeah. uh, he had an off schedule that he squeezed between a couple defenders. You're like, mm, all right. And he was amped. I mean, when you got Trent Williams, who is hyping you up, you know, when you're sitting there and you're you're doing the, you know, chop across your chest and asking people what's up and you got Trent Williams, it's like, yeah, that's yeah. great. It's a good start. So I'll give him that. But I've, I also heard people last night like, oh, he's going to bump Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. Oh, he's going to be the next Tom Brady. I'm like, man, can we just... Okay, wait, the next Tom Brady thing is too far. But I mean, look, Jimmy Garoppolo is a free agent. 
Trey Lance remains unproven. And with sure. all due respect, Michael, all Trey Lance has going for him is that the Niners decided they thought of no enough of him to draft him, trade up to draft him third overall. That's the best thing he's got on his resume is somebody decided subjectively that he was worth the third overall pick. His play in practice, preseason, and in games does not say that he is their somebody, long-term answer. Somebody, somebody decided I, it wasn't a previous, it wasn't a previous regime. Okay, it was who this decided one. it. But, but it, hey, hey, it wasn't Steve. Okay, it wasn't Steve Mariucci. Okay, here's another it comp. Okay, here's another comp. Here's another comp. And there's more. There's Michael. Right. There's more, and this is a little more complicated because injury and mismanagement against Seattle has a lot to do with it. But back in what year, what year was RG three and Luck? Um, 2012. What was that? 2012. Sorry, 12. 2012. The then Redskins, now Commanders, with Kyle Shannon as OC and his dad as head coach, drafted RG three with the second overall pick. Turned out that their long-term quarterback was the guy they took in the fourth round of that same year. Maybe the Niners missed on Lance, and I've seen enough Michael of Brock Purdy to say that he has enough. I'm not saying he's not going to have bad days. I'm not going to say him right now look like a yeah. rookie Thursday in Seattle when I go to Seattle to see him. But I've seen enough from him where Garoppolo's a free agent. Lance is unproven. They got something in this guy. Is he the next Montana young or even Jeff Garcia? I don't know, but I think that he's the guy and just because he was drafted with the last pick of the draft doesn't mean he can't be. All right, Charles, uh, since you've been at the cookout for a long time, we can we can share some family business. Okay, let's let's share some family business here. Let's Charles share some family. family. Go. Okay. Let's go. Now, Charles, you got? Charles, you said you said a couple months ago people were talking about Bailey Zappi. Forget about a couple months ago. It was two weeks ago. The same Michael Why Smith. Why are you bringing up Bailey Zappi? No, no, I ain't about Bailey Zappi. I'm, I'm saying oh. Charles brought up Bailey Zappi a couple months ago. I'm saying okay. we don't have to go back a couple months. We can go back a couple weeks ago. Mike, okay. somebody who has somebody who has your face and your background and sitting in your chair <laughs> said, okay. hey, 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 listen, hey, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Uh, the four, that defense is so tight. doesn't even matter who the quarterback is. That's now not, you're trying no. to tell me. That, no, that was, oh, 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 that was ooh. sarcasm. That was sarcasm because people like you say that it doesn't like that was that was directed to people who say that the Niners won in spite of Garoppolo instead of because of Garoppolo. I'm not are saying that the quarterback of, is. Are they winning because of Purdy? Are they winning because of Purdy? Is he such a franchise he's making, guy? He's they could he has in the last two weeks, do what they did. He has made in the last two weeks. He's made winning plays. What I'm saying is, okay, the Niners could think, well, we drafted Trey Lance with the third overall pick. We traded up for him. We got to see it through because we drafted him there and we think he has potential or we want to go find somebody else. Everybody's looking for a star quarterback through the front door. Doesn't always happen that way. Michael, you cannot tell me. You can't tell me that you aren't seeing. I'm not saying he's the next Tom Brady, but that you aren't seeing shades of what Brady brought to the 01 Patriots. This is a much better roster. But shades in terms of moxie, in terms of poise, in terms of presence, in terms of chemistry, in terms of confidence, all the things that Brady brought to the table when he came out of nowhere and took over for Bledsoe when he got hurt. This is very reminiscent of that situation. Again, not the same player. Nobody's going to be Tom Brady again, but the dude's got a lot of the same stuff. That's all I'm saying. I don't see it. 
I don't see it. You okay. know what? I, you know, I gotta tell you, uh, just that's fair. That's there, fair. Based on what we show there, uh, and and look, and, you know, the the great throws and making all the throws. You know, every quarterback can't do that. It's a rare, it's a rare animal who can do it. Mahomes, uh, Josh Allen, Herbert, those guys can make all the throws from any position. Lamar. I don't like the way he slings it. Quite honestly, I don't know about you, Charles and Mike. Uh, I saw some bad defense yesterday from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Even on, uh, the, I think the second touchdown. Like, come on, man! Like, you, you should be competing for that ball. I mean, I, I didn't think his throws. I didn't. I didn't go. Oh man, that's amazing what Purdy just did. I, I more was like, oh wow, how the mighty have slipped. Tampa Bay is a bad football team. They're bad. And, and, and that's what yeah. stood out to me more yeah. than what that's that stood out to me more yeah. than Purdy, quite and honestly. That, and, and and that's fair. And Charles, I'm not as Parcells would say, as Bill Par- I'm not putting him in Canton. I'm not trying to put him in Canton. Okay, I'm simply saying that. Okay, look, it was it was it was Trey it was Trey Lance, and we're going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. One of us on this here screen always advocated for keeping Jimmy Garoppolo. Turns out it was a good thing they did. They kept Garoppolo. Garoppolo plays well. No sooner than people are talking about Garoppolo. I appreciate that yeah, credit whatever. you're giving me. I appreciate yeah, that. What, Thank yeah, you. whatever. You know that Thank you know you. that wasn't for you're you. You're welcome. Uh, you're welcome. No sooner, Charles. No, Charles, I ain't talking to him. No sooner than people <laughs> started talking about Garoppolo maybe returning next year, then Garoppolo got hurt once again. Yeah, I'm Garoppolo. Simple, and now, he did his thing. now there's his thing. <laughs> and now of course that Brady's coming back again next year. It's Tennessee, Las Vegas, does San Francisco bring him home the way they wouldn't a couple of years ago? It's like you keep searching and searching. The guy fell in their laps. There's enough here to develop this guy and have him play in this awesome situation with the Super Bowl caliber roster. That's all I'm well, saying. Here, okay, okay. So here's here. my counterpoint here. First off, they don't need to make this decision. They can have Trey Lance no, and Brock no. Purdy next year, and they right. can look at both of right. them, and they can. And I will remind people there was a time this season. Not long ago, when we all looked at Justin Fields and we were like, "Uh oh, like what is going on? Like why does he? Oh yeah. man, he's in these big moments." I still yeah. hear people are like, "How come every time he gets an opportunity to lead a fourth quarter winning drive at the end, he can't do it?" I still hear that. But yeah. over the expanse of the season, our minds were changed as we saw Justin Fields start to develop, get some momentum, some chemistry, and you know what? Some, am I writing uh, off Trey Lance too soon? Is that what you're saying? No, I, I, right now, I, I'm just saying soon? that I'm just Probably. saying that from what we've seen from Fields, we need to give Trey Lance the opportunity to get that kind of run, work out some kinks, and get some confidence. As you have yeah. seen, things in the NFL they change dramatically when a team has confidence. Look at the Detroit Lions; they're playing great football, but they are well, probably we one of the most they're probably one of the most confident teams in football. And I'll give you another one. Look at Christian Watson in Green Bay, dropping balls, looking horrible, yeah, getting yeah. concussed. Well, he, was being second, hurt. Well, he was a second round pick, so I don't oh, know if he got. Oh, work go out. ahead, I knew I it. But, but, Ooh, listen, I knew it was coming. Okay. Green Bay, coming. Took, okay, Green okay, Bay took him in the second round. You're so, so you funny. Know, listen, listen. You're so you know. funny. You got once taking that got, act listen. on the road. You gonna take that on the road? Okay. <laughs> once he got some confidence. <laughs> once he got some confidence. Okay. <laughs> All of a sudden, all, that that natural ability that they drafted, that speed, mm-hmm. where they were like, "Look, same, when he's same when school. he's no coincidence. when he's when he's wide open, this guy can run by you." Once he had that confidence, it completely yeah. changed how he looked on a football field. So, right. I'm just saying, 
it's fine to be happy with Brock Purdy. Okay, it is. That's totally fine. But let's not just say he's going to take another guy's job yet when I think the tools, the size. And by the way, here's one thing I'll say about Brady. Everyone's saying, oh, Brady this, Brady that. Look at the size difference between these two players. Okay. Look oh, at sure. the arm yeah. arm difference between these two right. players. And oh, by the way, look at the head difference. Because look, Purdy, again, and as Shanahan touched on this in this press conference, part of what he does, it's almost like this Manziel like, you know, nature when Manziel was at, at Texas AM. He runs around, makes things chaotic, and then make makes right. plays. That'll right. that'll go for a little bit in the NFL. Right. But eventually you gotta show to your but 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 I'm gonna yeah, use but I'm gonna up. use your counterpoint the same way. Just as it's too soon to put him in Canton, it's too soon to say what he can't be either. Maybe fair he grows enough. Out that's of fair it. enough. He now he may not grow, but this moment isn't too big for him. He may be little, but this moment isn't too big for him. Is what I'm just I trying see. to keep the guardrails a little closer than no, I got Tom you. Brady but Brady, versus... Mike, but 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 Michael, but wait, but Michael will tell you, and we got to move on. But Michael will tell you that Brady, as one Boston columnist often like to write, would throw sideways. During the right. 2001 season, right. Brady wasn't throwing it, chucking it down. Brady didn't have the strongest arm coming out or even early in his yeah. career. He developed right. into That's this right. player. He developed he into this player. He was very self-made. Um, so you mentioned the Lions. One of the, my favorite stats that I saw yesterday, fellas. Did y'all know that in each of the last four years, I hope I get this right. Each of the last four years, a six and seven team has made the playoffs. Here sit the Detroit Lions at oh, six and seven. And here was the scene in the Lions locker room after they beat the 10 and 2. They were fraudulent all along. They've given up more points than they scored. <laughs> Minnesota Vikings. Believe me, I mean, they, the guys know how I felt all week about this game. Um, but yeah, look, I, I don't think there's a surprise here. We, we you know, I've said it before. Um, you know, it's it's hard when you you get down in the dumps and you were where we were at. You know, it's easy to lose faith, but these guys never did, and we stayed true to what we we're about. And uh, and they knew, they believed we were one play away, and that's that's where we've been. And so now we're making the the play. You know, we're we're making the one extra play. Uh, this, it's not costing us, you know, and, and we're able to over, overcome some of these mistakes we were making earlier. So, um, no, our guys, they know they belong. They know they belong, and, and they know when they play football like we've been playing the last six weeks, we can play with anybody. That's the truth. All right, from one and six to winners of five of six. Um, Charles, a lot of people ask me, like, who's my favorite team? And, who, and they know I'm from New Orleans. They're like, oh, you're a Saints fan, right? Like, no, I was as a kid, but I'm 
old enough to have come up in a time when it was not popular to be a, a fan as a journalist. We had to be neutral, objective, and impartial to, to maintain some level of journalistic integrity. So I don't, do you still consider yourself a Lions fan, number one? And whether or not you do, I'm curious deep down, you know that city, you know that community. Mm -hmm. Not only do I think the, the Lions, I think, are the best story in the NFL right now, but I wonder what this means to the city of Detroit to have both short and long-term hope for the first time in forever. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it means a lot. I, I, as far as being a Lions fan, I grew, I did, I grew up during the Barry Sanders era, Herman Moore, the Great Lakes offense, Brett Perriman, you know, like I, and and I had a lot of love Wayne for the organization. Fonts. Yeah, Wayne Fonts, yeah. <laughs> then I covered the team, and I can safely say I covered the Marty Morningweg overlaps, the whole Marty Morningweg era. Like one of my first stories was covering Gary Moeller getting fired by Matt Millen. And then I covered the overlap with Steve Mary, which I can just tell you that having gone through that, it really, any fandom you have in you is stomped out. Like there's just nothing that gets completely stomped out. Cause you gotta be a journalist and you see what it looks like behind, you know, behind closed doors. And you're like, I understand now why this, this organization is so messed up. Now that said, I am a immense fan of, Lions fans because I know it's like being Cavaliers fans or uh, Browns fans, you know, the, the people who it. show up. Yeah, they live through it and they just want to see some success. And what was interesting to me, it took me a long time to really buy into Dan Campbell at all. And I asked someone who was at home who's living in Michigan. I was like, I don't get it. Like to me, he's a lot of bluster, but there's not the results. Why Why does the Detroit love him so much after this, this first season where he was horrible, bad enough to have the number two pick in the draft? And this person said to me, it's because he wants to be here in Detroit. He wants to embrace Detroit. And I think people there are so I beat down by... It does. Yeah. They want someone who wants to be in the city, wants to bleed the way they bleed, and they, they bought into that first. And the one comp I will say about this, and I've come around on Dan Campbell. I was a very big critic of his. I watched him in Hard Knocks, and I started to think, man, maybe there is something here. Mm -hmm. Sean Payton said, oh, this is great. You talk to Payton, you ask him about uh, Campbell, who was on Sean's staff in, in New Orleans. In New he New says Orleans. the comp is a guy I like a lot. He says he's Mike Vrabel. He's like, he's an offensive mm -hmm. Mike Vrabel. That's who this guy can be. And if that's true, if what we're seeing now is sort of like Vrabel instilling himself and and what he brings to the table into his team that's true in detroit they got a good one hey mike, yeah man i love speak, that I'm a, mike I lo I'm, I'm i'm gonna speak our love language mike real quick i'm gonna speak i know you love Vrabel too yeah. i'm gonna speak our love language the lions are sitting so pretty for this year and beyond i wouldn't even franchise them i'd feel guilty yeah, yeah, franchising yeah. them it's, yeah, they, yeah, it's, it it's, it's set up it's too good yeah. set, they got the rams pick coming their way it's just too good it's too good they got too many young Pieces, uh -uh, I wouldn't even want a franchise. Too easy at this point. Brad Holmes. I franchise him though. I franchise. I, I tip my head. You'll be I, in the NFC Championship game next I, year. <laughs> I still would. I, and, and Charles, I love what you said about Detroit. Like it's not just it's not just the the result on the field. It's the people who have been there year in and year out. And we all know the stats. I mean, they haven't won a, a championship since 1957. I mean, it's almost like. Detroit fans, for that that circle, it's like being in a circle of hell, uh, uh, a Dan Snyder circle of hell, 
but not for the 30 years or whatever he's owned the red uh, the, the the commanders uh, the, the 23 24 years he's owned the commanders just imagine being there like all of your life and part of your your father and your mother's life and maybe yeah. even your grandparents like you just it's you you just you, it's the same thing over and over and you feel like you're never going to get out you're never going to get out of this hell that this franchise has been in for such a long time that like the they, last time they won one playoff game since the 90s right one playoff game 92 92 was yeah. was uh Come on. was was the, well, and, the and, then, I mean, and then charles so it's easy to make you know you know mike i was yeah, just going to say mike it's easy to make fun it's easy to make fun of that franchise Mm-hmm. But there are people who have been watching that franchise. Some of, some of them walked away, but a lot of them just stayed and they have hope. So it's not just liking fans of the Lions and Lions liking Campbell because he wanted them. I think that's the story, quite frankly. This is beyond sports. We'll talk about it another day. I think that's the story of a lot of cities in the Midwest mm-hmm. where we yeah. are uh, bi-coastal, you know, East Coast, West Coast. Um, but there are a lot of cities in the Midwest uh, in the mid south, they feel like nobody's really paying attention to them. Nobody's checking for them. Right. And if somebody does, right. then Detroit they they have anybody. so much passion. <laughs> they got so much passion. They got so much love. They will give you yeah. the benefit of the doubt in spades. No, what, what I was gonna say was like, and this comes. It, this is even more special. This comes a year after Matthew Stafford went to the Rams and won a Super Bowl. Yep. And it comes after and Mike Mike Verlander Verlander left. And wins the oh, World Series Verlander. in Houston. That yeah, hurt there you too. go. Yeah. There you, that, thank that you for hurt. pointing that out. And then, then you have the Caldwell years where they're less, they're, their last good years, they get rid of Caldwell to bring in Matt Patricia. And, and that stretch was a disaster. So now to end up here is especially sweet. But let's not look too macro, though, because in the, in the micro, like I said, one and six to winners of five of six, six and seven, you know, making a playoff push, uh, looking as dangerous as anybody. Like this feels like you hate to resort to the team that nobody wants to play. And we're talking about Jared Goff, who many people think the Rams got to the Super Bowl in spite of. But I remember going to training camp and Goff talking about it and Brad Holmes talking about it. He was so unsettled by that trade last year. So just personally, he got comfortable and got more comfortable in the offense and taking ownership of the offense this year. Like Jared Goff is a problem. I'm on Ross St. Brown. DJ Shark, no, I mean, like that's defensively, they still they still leaky. They can make plays, but they're not dominant on defense. Offensively, yeah. like they could knock yeah, somebody out nice. to make the playoffs. They're you nice. Wanna, you want oh, nice. You want to? You want a good comp here? This is kind of crazy. Yeah. It's it's, cro- it's crossing worlds. But I was in Detroit when Grant Hill wanted out. Okay, I was there. Crushed the fan base there. Like they, Grant Hill was, and this was before they knew what the ankle injury was going to do to his career. They thought this is going to be the next pseudo, a guy like who fits somewhere in Jordan, Bird, Magic. I mean, that's yeah, how he was, good he was. Yeah. 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 Well, they dealt him, right? They dealt him. They ended up having to deal yeah. him away to, to uh, the Orlando, Orlando Magic. And guess yeah. who they got in return in that trade? Ben Wallace. Okay. It ended yeah. up weirdly being the like best that. thing for the Pistons Man, like franchise that. because they got. The anchor, absolute centerpiece Woo! back. Yeah. Now, oh, they like trade that. Matt Stafford. I'm a shout. Like they trade I'm Matt shout. Stafford. They get a pick that's going to be a high pick. And oh, oh by the way, right. 
the quarterback was a who was supposed <laughs> yeah, Goff who was supposed to be the impediment in that trade. Yeah. All of a sudden yeah. you're kind of like he might be viable in Detroit. They might be able right. to take that top 5 pick and take Jalen Carter and put him right. next to Aiden Hutchinson. Take, take, take Will Anderson and put him on the other side. I think Yeah, right. you never could, know. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. that trade that hurts yeah. so bad ends up in the yes. long run being the best thing that happened and that's what happened hey. with the Pistons. 100 percent. That is a, that and, is oh, a it's such a that's great a word right there. That's a great. <laughs> that is that is that's, that's a great comp. And you know what was so what's so cool about it. Uh, Charles is that? Yeah, they didn't want to trade uh, Grant Hill. They get back Ben Wallace and they probably shrug at that point. Undrafted yeah. guy undersized. Yeah, like okay, right. what's this good rebound Grant Hill, but <laughs> but think about not only did that did he become one of the anchors uh, of their championship team in 2004. Grant, uh, just like just like Jared Goff is ex- exhibiting and Dan Campbell is exhibiting, Ben Wallace and Rashid and Chauncey and Rip, what they brought, they rode for the D. They loved the Detroit. Yep. And, right. and right. I, Detroit and versus so everybody. That can, that can be overrated if you're not if you're not Detroit any good. Basketball. But if you have if you're competitive, if you're competitive yep. and a contender, and you have that yeah. spirit, oh man, yeah. you can you can go to that city forever, and they'll always love you. Well, it's another real. thing too. This is this is just like I got to look at over the cap. Maybe you know off the top of your head, Charles, uh, what their cap situation is going into next year. But it's like one of the reasons why they embraced having hard knocks is like wanting people around the league to realize, hey, this is a destination for you in free agency. This is a place mm-hmm. where you might want to play because of this community, because this organization is heading in the right direction, because of this coaching staff, which is full of former players. Really, something special there. Before I go real quick, before we go to break, the Vikings, you know, oh, you I, said it right the first time. But what do we before? We, okay, before y'all go to break and I go, um, what what do we make of the Vikings? What, what we, uh, you know, they're giving up 400 yards every game. Um, they got the worst defense in the league. Um, giving up more points than they've scored. Charles, what's the what's your read on the Vikings at this point? Ten, they ten, are the 10 win Vikings. They are a team that is not as good defensively as they look. They had a couple of defensive plays that made differences in games, right? But that didn't make them a good defense. Like Pat Peterson picked off a couple of passes, and all of a sudden people were like, oh, well, maybe that, you know, their defense is better than we think. No, they're not. They're not a good defensive team. And then I think offensively, um, you know, it's in a way, it is very much like when you look at Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins. You're going to get, you know, they're going to go to the playoffs, right? And basically what teams are going to say is they're going to say, we take away Justin Jefferson, force Kirk to win with these other guys. And Mm -hmm. maybe TJ Hawkinson comes through. Maybe Dalvin Cook has a monster game. But, you know, I just, I still think it's a really a a very much one-man team for Kirk Cousins with Justin Jefferson. And remember, to beat the Bills, Jefferson had to do, I mean, had to do something out of his mind, make that catch to win that game. It's just, that's true. It's a team that's far more limited. I think than than a lot of people realize. And I still think it's a, once the playoffs come, you get, you run into coaches who are like, we know who to take away to make this guy yeah, beat us. And we don't think Kirk can beat us. I disagree. I, okay. It's something oh, I, okay. I, I think, I think we're being prisoners of the moment in this when we're talking about the Minnesota Vikings, because right, look at it. We, we just said all these wonderful things about Detroit and and rightfully so they're playing good football right now and we like them and we like the story and they haven't made the playoffs since 2016. 
But Minnesota, if you look at them, what are they now? Ten and three. They're ten and three. Three losses to Philadelphia, <laughs> to Dallas. A beat down to Dallas. But okay, Philadelphia, Dallas, and a very hot Detroit team. So they have gone out. They they won some games. They they have they've done very well. I don't think they're I don't think they're a great team, but I think right. they are. They're good at winning good close games. And and I think they are a tough out. They're going to be a tough out in the playoffs. I will. Uh, they they usually show up. They usually they didn't show up okay. against Dallas. They're going to turn the upside down, Michael. Yeah, and, and I'll say this. <laughs> I'll say this. To be fair, to be fair, they beat the Jets. Okay, that's a that's a playoff caliber defense, right? They beat New England. That's a team in the playoff mix. They beat Buffalo. We know what Buffalo is. They beat Washington. Washington's going to probably make the playoffs. They're going to take the giant spot, I think, yeah. when it's all said and done. Um, you know, people are going to look at Miami. That was without Tua. So, I mean, but it's okay. I mean, look, it's not all empty. I don't look at the schedule and go, well, geez, who have they really beaten? No, they've beaten some decent units. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, real quick, um, the Lions have almost $28 million in cap space next season. And I uh, just got a text from uh, Detroit's own Vincent Goodwill, who says the Lions stink, period. So, you know what? Oh, Some people I, just don't know I, how I to be happy. Some people history. just don't know how to be happy. But you know what it is? Now, you know, he just heard he a, Pac- he a Packers he fan now. Whatever He left when Barry Sanders, when he faxed his retirement, Vincent left too. Appreciate you watching, Vinny, our other brother from he another. Just heard. All right, uh, I'm, I'm going to catch a flight to Seattle. Y'all have fun. Uh, this, was, this was fun. Right. I appreciate y'all. I'll talk to y'all and later. Mike, Peace. Mike, yeah. write Vinny back. Write Vinny, uh, Vinny back and say, Detroit doesn't stink. Michigan, University of Michigan does, but Detroit doesn't. <laughs> you still All talking right? trash, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Are we you we in this. We still in this. We in it. <laughs> Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. All right, Charles, uh, we talked a lot about the Detroit Lions, and let's just go south of the border from Detroit's perspective and uh, check out Cleveland, about two hours away, two and a half hours, uh, and, and the Browns. Now, they have a similar story. Both teams have never been to the Super Bowl. Uh, last time, Cleveland won a championship. Won 1957, but it was 1964. Uh, last time they won uh, an NFL title. And they had the same type of chaos, the same type of disappointment as Detroit, except their disappointment has come in the playoffs, in championship yeah. games, big moments. Uh, they have had heartbreak after heartbreak. And so, Charles, I think, you know, after watching the, the latest battle of Ohio and, and the Browns have done very well against the Bengals. The Bengals have been good, but against the Browns, they, they have, you know, lately, they haven't looked so great. They did yeah. yesterday. Bengals win that game. But I think the, the latest heartbreak for the Browns, and I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but I really feel this way. They got to think about this Deshaun Watson trade they made. They gave up so much. They put so much on the line for Deshaun Watson. And I'm not even looking at it from a moral sense. Right. Like, football sense. Football-wise, eight quarters, Deshaun Watson, quarterback in the Browns, 
those eight quarters he has produced one touchdown. That's right. One touchdown in eight quarters. And he did not. He looked okay yesterday. He didn't look okay in the, in Houston in the game that you saw. Uh, let's start there. And I want to get to the Bengals because they deserve some love. But do you, do you think the Browns are looking at this? I know it's only two games in. The Browns are looking mm-hmm. at this and maybe wondering what exactly did we agree to? So here's how they're looking at it. Okay. And I, it was interesting. I had a chance to talk to somebody in the organization leading into the Bengals game. And I thought, okay, and my my preface with their with the conversation was like, hey, you know, you guys got past Houston, getting Deshaun back, it's got to feel good, like you got over the hump. They actually were looking at Cincinnati and saying, ah, uh, Cincinnati is more kind of the one we want to get out of the way. And I was like, why? They said, well, first off, the Houston game was weird. There weren't a lot of fans there. Maybe what we thought in terms of the what was directed at Deshaun, it was more going to be something that would happen in the Cincinnati game than the Houston game. He didn't feel that much heat, you know, and it was it wasn't as big of a mental hurdle as really what he was going to face in Cincinnati. So they looked at Cincinnati as a as a really uh, formidable game in front of them, both on the field and off the field with Watson. So I think now that they're past that, they're kind of ready to to move forward. But I, the big thing that they were focusing on going to Cincinnati, they're like, look, what happened in Houston? We expected it. Sean's been off. Uh, 700 plus days. He was going to be rusty. I'd seen him in practice in camp. He looked rusty. He looked a lot like what he looked like in Houston. But this person who I spoke to said, what's he going to look like now from one to two, two to three, three to four? If we see him take a step from Houston and get better and play better, play closer to the guy that we know he can be in Cincinnati, we're going to be okay. We're, I don't think they thought they were making the playoffs. They've made everything just about getting him taking these incremental steps. So he did look better, Michael. You got to admit, yeah, he looked more. Oh, he did look better, Deshaun, than than in week, you know, in his first game to his second game. To them, that's the progress they're looking for. Uh, You know, but there are a couple things here. Uh, One, I don't know why they wouldn't think about making the playoffs, especially in this AFC. So you win this game yesterday. If you win the game yesterday, you're right in the mix. You beat Cincinnati. So mm-hmm. that means you swept them. You, you swept them for the year. That's a good, good, good thing. You've got, you banked a game in your division. You got a game in, in your division against a Lamar Jackson less uh, Baltimore Ravens team. You got the Steelers who still may not have Kenny Pickett back when you play. Right. I mean, you got a couple more division games left. You're well, right in the mix. I, I mean, I think yesterday was a, a devastating just from a postseason standpoint. And why wouldn't they be thinking about the postseason. You just guaranteed a you guaranteed a the biggest contract in NFL history for Deshaun Watson. I know he hadn't played in 700 days, but you could beat you beat Cincinnati with Jacoby Brissett. Why wouldn't you think about beating Cincinnati with Deshaun Watson? Because I think that they knew to make the playoffs. And remember, when this all started, they didn't know that Lamar Jackson was going to go down, nor that Tyler Huntley was then going to go down after Lamar did. They didn't know Kenny Pickett was going to go down. So they're not sitting there thinking, well, geez, we're playing Mitch Trubisky, maybe Tyler Huntley, um, maybe a third-string quarterback um, in Baltimore. So, you know, I'm just talking about when this started, they felt like it was probably unrealistic to run the table with a quarterback who basically hadn't played competitive football in two years. And so to them, it was, hey, if we make the playoffs, that's great. But realistically, what we are in this for, what we traded for, Deshaun Watson was not just to make the playoffs in 2022. It was to get Deshaun Watson 
the guy who was an all pro caliber level player in Houston. And that really is the steps because look, five years from now, if Deshaun Watson's balling out, no one's going to look back and go, well, geez, that 2022 end, you know, they could have, all they care about is five years from now, he is playing not five years, but really in 2023, he is playing like the player they thought they were trading for. That is what they're focused on is getting him into a rhythm with Stefanski. And Oh, by the way, looking at the surrounding offensive roster and going, who does he play well with? Like, who do we need to yeah. swap? And Joku looks like he's going to fit. Amari Cooper, no problem. Donovan Peoples-Jones, no problem. The running backs, no problem. They're That's part of what they're learning right now. So, you know, look, I, I, they I know I, those I, I guess fans, that's... as long as Deshaun's getting better, Michael, those Cleveland fans are going to be like, it's cool. We got our quarterback. We're good. I know. I, I guess I, I'm just going to be aggressive here and say, I feel like, I feel like they're going to regret this from a football I, standpoint. They are behind. Yeah, wise. I mean, they. I think they will. Yeah. I think they will. They gave him and, so and, much you know, money. Maybe, he has to be maybe, one of the top two or three quarterbacks, right? He has to be. And, and maybe, maybe that's the lesson from the you know 2022 uh, off season. We all we all said, hey, you know, get this quarterback, get a quarterback, yeah. and, and your problem solved. And you know, look feel at so Denver. Safe and, <laughs> yeah, Denver, yeah. And, and right now uh, Cleveland one and one with Deshaun Watson, but it's not because the one game they won in Houston. Uh, Deshaun Watson didn't play well. Last thing I'll say about Cleveland, then I want to uh, transition to Cincinnati. Um, in 2020, when they made the playoffs, they beat the Steelers. It was great. I think Kevin Stefanski, even though he had COVID for that playoff game, I know he was calling it. Uh, it was he had his fingerprints all over it. They were such a such a well-run offense. They did a, 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 just a wonderful job of utilizing their personnel. They were tough to defend. Uh, they were imaginative. Yesterday. I'm looking at them <laughs> and I don't know Charles if, if you saw this or if you even saw the highlight of a play they had a fourth down play. So I I, I did mention that they gave Jacob uh, that they gave Deshaun Watson the biggest contract in NFL. Oh, history. Yeah. I, I know what, you, I know what that, you're right? getting at. Yeah, I know I, the player I you're talking about. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson, the quarterback, the guy with the ball, they have Deshaun Watson on the bench. Fourth down play. They go in the goal line. Uh oh. Oh, we go. We go trick y'all. Y'all think we got Jacoby in, and oh, he's a big guy. You think we go run Jacoby behind the right guard or something? Oh, get ready. No, 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 no. It's just a goal line look. Now Jacoby Brissett drops back. He's got an open receiver, but guess what? It's Jacoby Brissett throwing the ball, not Deshaun (sighs) Watson, and he misses him and turnover on downs. I mean, it's just like. Yeah, I, I, what was, are you doing? it was, yeah, what was are we curious. doing? Here? I don't, I'd be curious yeah. to know, you know, what exactly the thought process was there because it's not like at this stage, Deshaun wouldn't know the package, right? Yeah. Like he's, he was there in the right. preseason and he had a couple of weeks, you know, you know, your goal line packages. Um, definitely not a fee. I'm not a fan of taking the $230 million quarterback off the field. To, <laughs> to to see him, off the field. You know, yeah. I mean like that's, yeah. that's an opportunity, right? That's like, let's see right. what happens here and learn something Charles, from it. I'm with you. They spent so much time saying, Hey, Jacoby just going to keep it warm for Deshaun. We can't wait till Deshaun gets back. Deshaun gets back and you put Jacoby on the field for a fourth down play that you're trying to convert. doesn't make any sense, but, but, but what but does Mike, make a lot of Mike, sense. Go ahead, Mike, go before ahead. before you move on, we've seen Frank Reich at one point threw the ball to Andrew Luck, and Andrew Luck got destroyed on the play. And it was <laughs> Andrew Luck who had physical problems. We watched Josh McDaniels throw to Tom Brady at one point. To like Brady, yeah. It just, it just. I mean, like, I don't. 
I don't know why. Every once in a while, I think people who are running offenses, they lose their minds and think, let's be creative. Like, I don't, Philly special is probably the brain bug of all time. That will be, then again, Detroit threw to Penny Sewell, and that actually worked. So, I mean, I don't know. It's, it was definitely yeah. not one of their best moments. That's for sure. There, there's a lot of overthinking, but we don't have to overthink this. Uh, the Bengals last year got hot down the stretch. Yep. Uh, they beat since they, they, they beat Kansas City in Cincinnati. They were down in that game, came back and beat them. AFC Championship game. They're down in Kansas City, came back and beat them. This year, they're down against Kansas City, came back and beat them. So that's three and zero in less than a calendar year uh, against Kansas City. And they don't just beat Kansas City. Uh, they've been beaten. They've, they've beaten everybody uh, the last yeah. five or six games. So when you ask me uh, who the best team is in the AFC, I know their record doesn't say they're the best team. I think I'm gonna have to go with Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati is the best team in the AFC. Are you willing to commit to thorough Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals as the best team in the AFC? Um, I am not, but only because you have T Higgins now has a hamstring problem. Tyler Boyd has a broken finger. You know, you're losing the skill. Remember, when they down the stretch, the, what they did well was they had health. They had the skill position players are all clicking. They were running the ball with, with Joe Mixon. Having Joe Mixon back this week, I think, uh, makes a big difference. Um, I know that they have beaten Kansas City. And so, it, absolutely, you have – you're on firm ground. There's no question. I still look at – Kansas City, I know they played four, but Denver game was not a, exactly a highlight through and through. But I still look at Kansas City as being Mahomes is an MVP level quarterback. He's playing in an MVP level. I still think that's ultimately the team to beat. But I will say this for you Joe Burrow to me may actually be the most resilient quarterback in football. I don't, every time I watch him and he makes mistakes or they kind of go through. I mean, even earlier this season when things weren't working well, he he never seems like a guy who gets frustrated. He's just like, we're going to be fine. Like, even on the field, he'll throw a pick, nothing, comes back out. So it's, not, it's not a thing to him. And I do think that that's what plays into why they go on these runs and the resiliency they have is just because he is who he is. I, I can't put a finger on it, but he really is just an absolutely unflappable player. I don't know that I've ever seen him scream at a player once in his entire career. Right, right. Right, exactly. That's what stands out to me. Like Joe Burrow and his leadership. Last year, you can't get sacked that much. You can't get sacked that much. And then at right. one point, just, you know, at some point, there's got to be a flip out, right? What yep. was that in, in the divisional playoff against uh, Tennessee? Was it nine times? He gets sacked nine yeah. times in a playoff yep. game. And they won the game. He had a drive to win the game. You're, you're, you you are you're being mauled all the way through the regular season and postseason. They're mauling you. Divisional playoffs, uh, championship game was better, but the Super Bowl once again the, the key plays in the Super Bowl. The Rams made the plays when they needed to make them because the offensive line was suspect. But not even not in our faces. Not little whispers behind the scenes. Not yep. sources say uh, Burrow has gone to the coaching staff to say nothing. Nothing. And you see him, he's always like that. You're showing him on the screen, watching on Peacock TV. You just see a chill Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is chill. If there's a yeah. if there's a hot if there's a hostage situation, 
I'm gonna say, all right, let, let's call Burrow. Let's call Burrow. There's a man on the building. Man's on the building. He said, he says, you can't say anything to him. This is it. This is it. He listened to Michael Holly and my bets, your money, put the mortgage on it, and things didn't turn out well for him. Bring in he Joe Burrow. The, Joe Burrow. He, he is the embodiment of the Joe, the guy smoking the cigar after the LSU win. He really is. Like, it just wasn't, I don't think. We hype up moments, you know, collegiate moments or whatever, and you, you're kind of like, well, that epit- you know, that's the epitome of what he is. It's, you know, frame it because that's that it spells out everything you need to know. That was one of the rare ones where, like, after the national championship win, you're like, man, this dude really is just the coolest cat. Like, he's he can't. It's whatever he there brings to the table. It's extra, and it's real. That's who he has been over the the expanse of his career. I, another thing I like about him too, he'll say some stuff. He, he got up a couple of weeks ago when they started to click and he was like, oh, I kind of feel it. I feel us getting into that groove that we got yeah. into last year. You probably, you know, like, ah, you probably don't want to put that expectation because the groove he got on last year ran you to the Super Bowl. He had no problem saying that. So and I think I think the and, locker room yeah. responds to him because of that. And I didn't believe it last year. Uh, by the way, I, you know, I did mention just, oh, by the way, I did mention my bets, your money. Your boy was four and one this week. Four and one. Ooh. So, as you go into the holidays, thank me later for the extra cash you have to spend <laughs> on friends and family or yourself if you're that kind of person. If you spend it on yourself, you kind of miss the spirit of the holidays. But that's all right. I'm not here. I'm not standing in judgment. I need some of those picks. Yeah, you should follow. You know, the one I the should. one I missed was Bengals Browns, though. Ironically. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Yeah, you know, actually, they said that to me in there. I'm like, oh, that's that's nice. I mean, it's yeah, we got we got way bigger goals, and it's on to the next one. So, um, uh, it's nice to get this win here because uh, we know this is a good football team. Uh, it's nice to come out here and play good on the road, and and, and we'll move on to the next one. Enjoy this one for a little bit. And move on to the next one. All right, Charles, uh, Nick Sirianni, head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, the runaway train. In the NFC, they clinched the playoff berth yesterday. Uh, they are not able to clinch the NFC East because NFC East is a tough division. They got Dallas right on their heels. When you look at you look at this team and particularly their quarterback. Do you think that this is if you had to call it right now? Say, all right, uh, we we are in Arizona for the Super Bowl. I'm going to see you there. I think. Uh, yeah, we're in Arizona. Are we going to be talking about? The Philadelphia Eagles as the NFC East uh, as the NFC participant in the, in the Super Bowl and on awards night what the night before the Super Bowl or a couple nights before Jalen Hurts MVP. What's the likelihood of both of those things happening? I, I think if they're a Super Bowl team, um, I think Hurts is is probably likely your, your MVP winner. I'm an MVP voter and I can tell you I don't like to do the week by week thing. Um, it just, I think it muddles the process for me. I like to look at it at the end and kind of weigh it all out. But 
I will say this. Um, Hertz has kept himself consistently on people's minds in terms of MVP voting all season long. They're 12 and one. He's got an opportunity rush for close to a thousand yards this season. I think he has 32 total touchdowns, 22 passing, 10 rushing, 108 plus passer rating. I mean, he's there. He's really developed. Wow. And he is someone that with his ability to call his own number um, affects an offense as much as Patrick Mahomes does as much as really any quarterback in the NFL does right now. And I'm just telling you the Christmas Eve game, that that Dallas game on December 24th in Dallas very well could be that sort of MVP opus moment. Like if he can put it together in Dallas in front of a national audience on Christmas Eve, um, that I think that will be something that could potentially sway a lot of MVP voters. I, I do think that they are the very likely NFC participant all and it's all due respect to Dallas I think great team um but I, I do think that Philly offensively is so much harder to deal with um than almost anybody in, in the NFL Dallas is close though Dallas is really the way they use the running backs the skill position pieces you know but I, I between Hertz and Dak Prescott I would take Jalen Hurts there's no doubt in my mind and I mean, Hurts just blows my mind. I, like the whole team, the, the, just watching Philadelphia, the, they're from top to bottom, really. Coaching staff, what what Nick Sirianni has done, what Howie Roseman has done in the front office, what Jalen Hurts has done, really what A.J. Brown has done in his first year. Would you say, and I know we don't, we're running out of time, but would you say that this was inevitable for Hurts? Let's say they never trade for A.J. Brown. Was his improvement arc so inevitable that A.J. Brown or not, he was going to be playing at this level this year? I think he would have taken the steps. I, I don't know if the arc would have been so dramatic. You know, I think A.J. Brown coming into the fold was pretty significant for him. Um, but he his consistent improvement over the course of the season is not just all A.J. Brown related. And I went through there in the preseason, and they swore up and down. They thought they had their quarterback, and I did not believe. I was like, okay, yeah, we'll see. Everything they told me in the preseason has shown itself on the field. So it's pretty remarkable. You know what, Charles? One thing we haven't talked about in the last 30 minutes, in the last 30 minutes, Michael Smith just got up and bounced in the middle of a show. <laughs> I mean, he left. He started off doing the show, and then he just left. Isn't that crazy? Is that not nuts? You insulted I think that's him. a little crazy. You insulted him. Good to see you, Charles. <laughs> Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.